God. And uh, I can't think of somebody that shares the kingdom more than our own Larry. So if we could just stand up, give a royal day spring welcome to uh, Larry, part of our pastoral care team and our family group pastor. Come on up, Larry. Thank you, Phil. Maybe there. Don't really be alarmed about this. I've actually heard the speaker before, so I just brought lunch with me just in case. But there's, uh, you know, with multiplication, there'll be enough for all of us in here. I just not, need to unpack a, a little bit. A few footballs. Centurion sword. And a flashlight. Yay. Ah, let me get my stuff laid out in front of me. Wonderful. Boy, what a what an awesome, awesome worship time this morning. It's so uh, I just love the way Holy Spirit is moving among us uh, because as as they're leading in the the songs that uh, the Lord had put on uh, Melissa to share this morning, and then the prophetic reading that came out of Psalm 46, which was one of my favorite psalms, knowing that we're going to be moving around in the water here this morning. Uh, It's just a great, great confirmation. Well, as Phil said when we started out a while ago, today is Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) And uh, so, go Bengals. I wish it was go... I wish it was go Chiefs, but you know how that goes. But you may have heard this Super Bowl story before, but but, uh, from a couple years ago, but I'll read it to you here this morning. A man had 50-yard line tickets for the Super Bowl. Those are high-dollar tickets, by the way. After the first quarter, a man who'd been setting up in the nosebleed section came down to where he was, and asked if he could sit in the empty seat that was next to him. And the man said, uh, yes, you can. And so the man sat down and he said, you know, this is incredible. Who in their right mind would have a seat like this for the Super Bowl, the biggest sporting event in the world, and then not use it? He said, well, actually the seat belongs to me. I was supposed to come here with my wife, but she passed away. And this is the first Super Bowl game we haven't been to together since we got married in 1967. Uh, The man said, I'm so sorry to hear that, sir. But couldn't you find someone else, a friend, a relative, or even a neighbor who could have come with you and shared this seat? The man shaked his head and said, No, they're all at her funeral. Ah. Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, people have gone to great expense today, not only in travel, but in buying tickets to sit in a stadium and watch two teams battle out in what is called the biggest sporting event in the world. 
The issue is they are spectators, not players on the field. Well, I submit to you this morning that there is an even greater event that is being played out across the globe. And this one is the Super Bowl of life. And it's a, a life and death game. It's a game that many have called the billion soul harvest. It's a time of life and death event even being played out regionally around us, nationally and globally. But much unlike the Super Bowl game of today, we, <laughs> we've been called off the bench and onto the playing field. We are the called, the equipped, the enabled to minister effectively in the billion soul harvest. How many of you really believe that is a reality? A billion soul harvest. Wow. And we get to play in the game. We don't have to be spectators. <clears throat> Every once in a while, somebody will say, I'm, I'm glad to see you here or something like that. And I, my response is, I'm just glad to be somewhere. <laughs> I'm just glad to be still in the game. I'm thankful to the Lord that being in the game of the harvest has nothing to do with age. We get to be involved. I get to be out on the field. And I, you have no idea, guys. I sat there this morning and I said, Father, thank you. Thank you I get to do this again. First time I got to do this was when French and I went to our first church in 1977 after seminary. And for seven years in that first church, we actually pastored two churches together that were about 20 miles apart. That's a real way to get baptized in the ministry. <laughs> but it was good. It was real good, not without its challenges. But I love this. I love doing this. I, I get what John said in, in 1 John. He said, it's not an issue for me to share the, this with you, he said in 1 John. He said, because it's my great joy. And it is my, you have no idea, it is my great joy to stand and get to do this once again. So as we think of it, guys, we are, we are the, I'll say it again, we are the called, the equipped, we are the enabled to minister in a billion soul harvest. Father, as I said a while ago, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to speak to my family. Father, not only to speak to my family here, but Lord, to speak to my family that is joining online this morning or maybe they'll join online next week or six months from now, who knows. <laughs> but there'll be others that join in. Father, my desire today is that I speak clearly. And I speak, Father, with fire. Father, I want to burn brightly for you today. And I want this word, Lord. I want this word, Father, to be more than, more than milk. 
I want this word, Lord, to go forth by the power of the Holy Spirit to truly be meat that we have to chew on. Chew on and chew on and chew on and digest it, Father, to where it radically changes, radically changes, Lord, our desire for the word. Father, show us the reality of the depth. Holy Spirit, you are the you are the writer behind the word. You breathed out this book through men. You breathed on them. They wrote it. This is a living word. And it's life. You even said it's life and health to the hearers. So we say yes, Lord, today. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are resident in every born-again believer that's in this house, every follower of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I bless you that Jesus said it was to our great benefit that he would go away because if he would go away, you would come. And then when you would come, one of the things you would do is you would lead us. Holy Spirit, you would lead us into the truth. Experientially lead us into the truth. So this morning, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to lead us into experiencing the truth of your word. Father, with... Uh, family with that in mind this morning about this billion soul harvest and us us sharing the kingdom this ministry of evangelism I, I want us to look at the deep well the deep well of the living word that we know as the Bible the written word of God and I want to read to you this morning uh, the, the first psalm I want to read it to you I'm reading out a New American Standard Version that I think I cut my teeth on. You know, it's, I've got my duct tape Bible here. A few, about two or three weeks ago, I'm walking up the aisle after service and one of Kyle Theobald's sons walks up to me and he said, can I ask you a question? Yes. How come you got your Bible covered with duct tape? <laughs> And I opened it up to him. And I showed him places that I've marked. And I've wrote in and I've highlighted in here. And I said, this, this, is, this is life to me. This is awesome. And there's, and there's things that I've recorded of, of things that I've responded to the Lord. And things that Holy Spirit has shown me. And, and I don't want to lose this. I don't want the covers to fall off. And they were. So I just covered it with duct tape. You know, one of the greatest inventions we could have, for those of you who are like me, I do like to write in my Bibles. I've got probably four or five different versions of Bibles that I've written in, I've highlighted, I've, I've, I've put notes in. I would love to be able to take one night, and I just did this. Francie and I just upgraded recently our uh, uh, Apple computer. And uh, the, uh, the desktop one version we had was giving us issues, so we upgraded it. And so I get my new computer, I set it on my desk, I turn it on, I go through, yeah, I speak English, so I'm, I'm going through setting it up, my name and all that good stuff. 
and then it comes up and it's just, it's kind of, it's blank for everything that belongs to me. But I open up my desktop and I'm, it's sitting on one side of my desk, my desktop is, and my new Apple computer sitting over here. And I go in my desktop and I, and I go into settings and I say migrate. Then I go over here on my desk, the, my, uh, my new uh, desktop computer, and I hit on something that says receive migrate. <laughs> and no connection at all. Once I hit the button, information takes about an hour. Information that's on my laptop goes over <laughs> to my desktop. What I would love to be able to do is take all my four or five Bibles and set them on top of each other. And the next morning I go in there and all the notes out of all the Bibles have been transferred. And so no matter which one I open up, it's got the same stuff. I don't know how that happens, but it would, I would love it. That would be awesome. So let me get back to what I'm supposed to be doing. Reading the Word, Psalm 1. Listen, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. How blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the path of sinners. How blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. But how blessed is the man whose delight, <laughs> whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. The result will be he will be like a tree planted firmly by streams of water. A tree that yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf never withers, and whatever he sets out to do, he prospers or is successful. A few years ago, on a business trip, headed out just south of Dodge City, Kansas, home of Marshall Dillon, Gunsmoke, and Boot Hill. As a Gunsmoke fan, it was neat. To, I just, it was awesome. When you're going south of that town, I thought I'll take time and I'll go there. And I spent the night in the uh, uh, Dodge City Hotel or something like that. And, but it, it, was, it was neat to be there, to travel uh, on a business trip and go there. But on the way there, I passed through a town, and it's called Greenberg, Tex uh, Greenberg Texas. <clears throat> it, it's Greenberg, Kansas, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And Greenberg, uh, Kansas, uh, back about 2007, was completely uh, wiped out with a tornado. I mean, just laid it flat, devastated. Most everything was, was, uh, was gone. They've rebuilt that city as a, uh, as a result, and it is now a green town, if you know, understand what that means in construction terms. But I found out in this city, and if you can bring up that, that picture of the, uh, of the little shed that's sitting there, there it is. <laughs> I found out about this, this little building. Uh, they talked about uh, the world's largest man-dug well. Well, that doesn't look all that, all that big when you're looking at it, but inside of this building, uh, there's a well. The well is 32 feet wide, 109 feet deep. It was hand-dug between 19, 1888 and 1889. 
It was, they had crews of eight to 12 men who uh, dug during that year, and they used uh, picks, shovels, buckets, ropes, pulleys, and barrels that had been cut in half to haul the, the debris and the dirt out of that to dig out this enormous well. Well, I went inside the well, which is the next slide. I go inside there. Uh, that's one view of it. And uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the commercial where the guy is laying on his belly and he's crying. He's crawling over to look over a cliff. That's me. <laughs> I'm not that guy that's going to walk over and look down several hundred feet. I'll be the guy that's on my belly and I'm crawling over to look over down, down over that cliff. Well, that's the way it was. I go inside this building and there is this massive hole. And I'm looking down. <laughs> I, you know, it's one of those, you kind of look down and, and this thing is huge. And it's a long way down there to where the water is. And I'm looking at that, and I make the decision, as you can tell, I think the, the picture just went off, but there is a, uh, in 1916, they added this stairway. And you could go down different flights of these metal stairways that were about so wide, and you could get all the way down into the bottom of this. Well, I said, self, That'd be a pretty good trip. Why don't you just go down there and check that out? So I, I start walking down that stairs, and I get down the first flight. And from the first flight, I'm looking down like this. And man, it's a long, it's a long way down there. And just the, side, the other side of that platform, it's pitch black. And I know that's where the water is but I don't know how deep it is. And I'm looking at that, and then I look up how far I've come down, and I look around me how, how wide this thing is, and everything inside me begins to shake. And I'm thinking, self, I think you need to get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. And so I make my way back up that stairway, and I get out of that building, and for a while I just tremble on the inside. You know, it, it was, it, to me it was frightening because the thing was so big, so dark, so, so deep. Well, there's another well, guys. And, and, and this, this, this well, you know, in that well, they did have lights. So you could kind of look down and see how big that was and how deep it is. But I want to tell you about another well. And it's this well. <laughs> See, we... Too often times we, we hit the surface of this book. We just hit the surface of it. And we give it a casual reading. And we might even give it a nod of, yeah, that, that sounds good. But have you ever discovered... Have you ever discovered looking down, down into this book and seeing how deep, how radically deep 
this book is. The well that is here. The well of life. Guys, it's, it's, it's radically deep. But the difference between that well in Greenberg, Texas, when I, uh, Greenberg, get out of Texas, Larry. Green, Greenberg, I'm just, I need a bumper sticker because I do love Texas and it would be a wannabe Texan <laughs> from my Western days. But anyway, shoot that rabbit. <clears throat> so I'm, the difference between looking down in that well in Greenberg, Kansas, where I was, scared out of my patootie and looking in this one this one <laughs> it's so peaceful there's it's it gives such life man there's so much here when we get below the surface and let the holy spirit Take us into its depths. I've been in Psalm 1 for several days, starting somewhere near the end of January. And I've stayed in Psalm 1 since then. Not that I haven't traveled a little bit beyond it, but I've just stayed there. The Holy Spirit had just parked my bus there in Psalm 1. And I've read it, kind of like I did when I did the Christmas message, when I read uh, Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. I just read it for days. I read it out of several versions. I just stayed with it. And I began to see things that I never saw. I never saw the generational moves that God used when He brought His Son forth. I never saw the reality that God used the oldest generation, which was Zechariah and Elizabeth, to bring forth John the Baptist. And the youngest generation, a girl of about 13 or 14 years old, who is going to give birth to Messiah. And, and so the kingdom is coming, but God used both ends of the spectrum of generations to bring forth the reality of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior. Jesus. I never saw that, but I did when I just spent time there. Well, this for, for days I have stayed in Psalm 1. I've read it. I've looked at it, and I've, 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 I've looked up the, 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 the original language. I've, I've looked at the Hebrew text, and you say, Larry, do you know a little Hebrew? Yeah, I do. He's about four foot six, but that's aside the point. <clears throat> there, uh, I, I, there's, there's so much when, when I would get and in, in dive into this. <laughs> Guys, I want to tell you, we, we're in a season of deep wells and greater outpouring. We're being called to a deeper, we're being called to go deeper <laughs> while at the same time launching out to go farther and they really do go together. Guys, no one ever walked on water who first didn't hear a word and then proceeded to get out of the boat and walk. I want to share it with you. That this, this month is about sharing the kingdom. You cannot share the kingdom if you don't have a kingdom word. And you can't have a kingdom word unless you spend quality time in the kingdom book. 
a few nights ago, I had a dream. <laughs> oh, man, what a dream. I, I had a dream. And in my dream, I, I, I was in a well. And it wasn't, it wasn't as a well as big as that hundred and that well, it was deeper, but it wasn't a well that was, you know, 32 feet wide. It was more of a normal, like if it's going to be hand dug, like six foot across. But I was in this well, and I wasn't on the surface of the well. I was down into the well, and I could breathe underwater, and I could, I, there was, it, it was such an atmosphere of peace, and I could tell there was, there was life around me, it just, I mean, it just, just being there just kind of infused life inside. And I'm down there and I'm, I'm, and I'm, and I begin to see some stuff that I never saw before. I begin to see some connections that I never saw before. And then after a while in my dream, I just came up to the surface. And when I got up to the surface, I realized I am in Psalm number one. I'm in it. That's the well. And so I go back down into the well. It was a good place. But in my dream, I go back down into the well. And I know I'm in Psalm 1. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm traveling around inside this well. I'm going into the water, so totally peaceful, not at all afraid. And then I begin to see some more stuff. I mean, I'm just, it's just like truth is being infused in me, stuff that I've never seen before, connections I've never seen before. And when I come up to the top, not to get air because I could breathe there, but I just come up to the top. And when I come up to the top, I realize I am not in Psalm 1. <laughs> I'm in John 15. Thinking, what? I'm in John 15. And I go back down again. <laughs> I go back down into this, this, this well again, this deep well. And it's it, it, a great place to be. It, it's awesome. It's life-giving. I just had a ball there in my dream. It, but I just, keep, I just keep getting, it's like electrons coming across. And, and just like the, the information was being transferred from my laptop over to my desktop without, there was no wire there, it just transferring. It's like I was getting transfers of kingdom truth coming to me. And when I came up that, that time, after spending a while, I came up this, this third time, and I realized, hey, I'm not in Psalm 1. Neither am I in John 15. I'm now in the book of Ephesians. And I go back down for a while. And when I came up in my dream, I'm in Psalm 1. And it ended. Psalm 1 talks about the reality of the power of the Logos. You understand this is the Logos. This is the written Word of God breathed upon. Men, breathed, men were breathed upon to write this. 
That's what Paul wrote to Timothy and said, it's just not, I've got a lot of books and I like to read a lot of books. I've got books by some, some great authors that God is, is moving mightily upon. But I've only got one book that's like this book. I've only got one book that stands. This book stands all by itself. And so I'm reading this, this psalm. And I see, I see some things in this psalm. I see some things about the, uh, the, the walking and the standing and the sitting. But I see the reality in this, this book of what happens when you begin to delight in it. When you delight in this book. And so when I, when I come up and I find myself in John 15, <laughs> the revelation comes at, <clears throat> and, and Jesus is telling the boys, Abide in me and I in you. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Word made flesh. And all of a sudden I realize that, that there is a direct correlation between what is being said in Psalm 15 and what Jesus is telling the boys in, excuse me, in Psalm 1 and what Jesus is telling the boys in John 15. For in John 15, the Word made flesh is saying the same thing that it says in Psalm 1. And the Word made flesh said this, Hey, guys, abide in me. I'll abide in you. Listen, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so guys, neither can you bear the fruit that I desire and you desire unless you abide in me. Guys, I'm the vine, but you are the branches. <laughs> you are the branches. You're connected to me. And he who abides in me and I in him, that same one bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That is the word made flesh saying something that's identical to Psalm number one. There's no difference between that. Which takes me to Ephesians. <laughs> Paul has three key words in the book to the church at Ephesus. In chapter 2, he talks about being seated. In chapter 4, he talks about walking. And in chapter 6, he talks about standing. If you remember the word that I just read to you out of Psalm number 1, the same words are used. The psalmist talks about walking, standing, and sitting. Paul uses in a different way. Paul talks about us standing. Excuse me, us being seated. Guys, when we, when we are involved in this ministry, and it's as Pastor Steve shared last week, it's, it's not just the ministry of the evangelist. When Paul wrote Timothy, Timothy was an apostle, I believe. And Timothy was a pastor. He was an apostle that was given a pastorate. And Paul writes to Timothy, and, and he reminds, and he says, Oh, by the way, Timothy, <laughs> do the work of evangelist. That's not what you are, but you can do that work. You can do that work, Timothy, to that one 
which happens to be standing in front of you. Timothy, there is an anointing and a calling upon you, and you can share life to somebody else. I've only got three days to stand here, so I have to press on. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm just bunning. So, <clears throat> Psalm 1 talks about a, a position of being seated in this well. Jesus talks about the reality of him being the word made flesh, and the word made flesh is sharing the same word to the disciples, just upgrading it a little bit. And then when you get into the book of Ephesians, you find that the reality of where we're seated. You start out being seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We who were dead in our trespasses and sins, we who the Word says were enemies of God, we who the Word says were without hope in this world, we were found by the Lord, and the Lord in a moment saved us. We who were dead to God all of a sudden became alive to God. And when, when Christ was died on the cross, the Word says we died with Him. When Christ was buried, the Word says we were buried with Him. When Christ arose, the Word said we arose with Him. When He ascended, we went up. And the Word says we are seated with Him in the heavenly places today. That is not position. That is reality. Holy Spirit, help us to be more, help us to be more aware of being seated in heaven than we are right now seated in this building. It's more than positional truth. Seated. And from that seated position, that place of reigning in the heavenlies with the Lord. We move in chapter 4 to walking. Walking how? Walking in a manner worthy. <laughs> worthy of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Walking in a manner worthy. How in the world can I walk that way? Psalm 1 said, I delight myself in the Lord, in the, Lord, in the Word. I delight there. Jesus said, hey, abide in me and let my words abide in you. <clears throat> So from that position of being seated, we walk, we do walk in a manner worthy. And I want to say to you today, family of God, this month when we're talking about expanding the kingdom of God, you are qualified. You are qualified to be in the game. You have the anointing of God. You have the presence of the resurrection power of God in you to do that work of just ministering life to other people. It's, it's on. Guys, this, 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 we don't, it's not a time of waiting. It's, it's here, guys. And then you go from that place where you are seated and you're walking. And then Paul says, we come to the place. And in, in the end of the book, he said, finally. I'm glad he said finally twice. That gives me hope in ministering the word because sometimes you have more than one ending. But, but, but Paul said, finally, brothers, he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and stand. And as he goes on, he talks about standing in a place where you have the full armor of God on. And then he said, he said, take, st 
you stand from a position of seating, sitting to a place of walking, now to a place of standing, he said. You stand fully armed in the armor of God, and you stand in his might. And then he said, and you take the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. That is the breathed on word. The rhema of God is when you're there and, and, and you look out and the Lord on the water says to you, come. That's the rhema. And you step out of the boat and you begin to walk. Guys, when Paul said that, and he said, take, take the sword of the Spirit, it wasn't taking, this is a centurion's sword that they used in close combat. It wasn't a sword of the Spirit that was still in its sheath. It was the almighty rhema of God that you could stand and you could weld that word and speak it forth with authority and see the same thing happen going through your mouth that would be happening going through the mouth of Jesus. Standing welding the sword of the Spirit. I seem to be yelling, but I'm excited. So now I, I want to, oh gosh, i got to do fast. You're talking too slow, Larry. I want to quickly run down through Psalm 1. I want to, I want to break it apart just quickly this morning. And I want, I want to read this to you. It, it says, and I've, I've broken it down. As I said, I've gone through, I've dissected. I've, I've been there a long time, and I've looked in a lot of words, and, and I've been in the well, so this is what I've got so far. Reading Psalm 1 this way, 1 through 3. How blessed. The word, the word there in the Hebrew is so absolutely strong. It's such a beautiful word. And to say, how blessed, this beatitude doesn't really get it. It's a strong word. And what literally what it means, the psalmist is saying, Oh, how happy! <laughs> oh, how happy is the man who does not walk. That word walk is how he conducts his life. Oh, how happy is the man who does not conduct his life in the counsel, the advice of the wicked. Neither does he stand. The word stand there means to abide. John 15. <laughs> to abide. Nor does he abide or stand in the path. The word path there is the road, the habit, or it is the course of life taken of sinners. Nor does he sit. And the word sit there is the place of dwelling. <laughs> Nor does he sit or have a place of dwelling that's in the seat of the scoffers. Scoffers are those who mock, laugh at, deem impossible the word of God. The reality of our ever-expanding kingdom. They laugh at that. There is such a, there, there is, there's a real harp. I can't go there. Ah. But one of, the, one of the great words in Psalm, in Psalm 1 is the word but. We need to thank God for the buts in our life. But his delight, 
That is his pleasure, his longing, his unquenchable hunger is in the law. The word law there was the word Torah, which we know as the five first five books of the Bible. But it, going in deeper than that, it, it was the direction. You're delighting in the law or the direction or the instruction. One of the things that blew my doors off was when I saw that that word Torah had a root word. <laughs> and the root word is Yara. And it is, oh gosh, it is to flow as water, teaching or instructing. <laughs> it, it is, we're, we're delighting in the teaching, the words of instruction that are flowing like water out of the very heart of the Lord. And in that law, that insight, that instruction, that teaching that's flowing like water out of the very heart of God, he meditates there. What a beautiful word. It means to, to ponder, to study, to think about, to imagine. It's okay to imagine. Don't let the New Age people steal this from us, guys. They, got, they, they have meditation, but it's wrong. This, the word instructs us to meditate on the word. It means to ponder, to study, to think about. Guys, it's okay to think. I just give you permission to think, to think about, to imagine, to speak, to speak out loud and to mutter in a still, small voice. I mean, you're just talking to yourself, guys. <laughs> it's, it's to call back to a conscious state what you are hearing day and night. The result of all that is this. You'll be like a tree planted firmly by streams of water. A tree that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. I want to read to you my own personal <laughs> expanded version of that verse. Oh, how happy are those who delight whose delight is in the written and abiding Word of God, who find themselves going to that deep, deep well, reading, studying, abiding, pondering, thinking, speaking softly, that Word 24-7. For those words to them are indeed spirit and they are life, and they know them as their necessary food. And so they live life with the advice of God's counsel, abiding in the course of life taken by the righteous and dwelling in the place of unusual faith. And from that deep, deep well of the Word of God, they stand firm as the strongest of trees, manifesting fruit for the picking of the needy and ever seeing the kingdom of God advancing in and through their lives. My translation of the first couple of verses Three verses out of Psalm 1. It's such, I, I want to quickly, I'll, I'll just do these, I'll do these really quickly. I have them up, but you're, you're just going to have to listen good, okay? There are, there are at least six outworkings of the living water of that word, Psalm 1. When you read it and see it that way, th this, this word, this word that we meditate in, this word we stay in, this word that's flowing out of the very heart of God does. 
It works in life the same way streams of water affect the, in a positive way the trees that are planted by it. It affects our walk, for we conduct our lives according to the wisdom of God. It affects our stand, for we abide in the course of life taken by the righteous. It affects our chair life. <laughs> it affects our chair life, for we abide in the place of faith where our bottom line is with God, all things are possible. It's a place of unusual faith. It affects our lives. We produce fruit for the sake of others, irrespective of our age. We as a, we as a body believe there is no junior Holy Spirit. And so we recognize that a young person but with the Holy Spirit, can pray as effectively as anybody else the things of the kingdom. And the manifestations of that kingdom can come into their, to their lives. But I want to submit to you, just as there is no junior Holy Spirit, neither is there a geriatric Holy Spirit. <laughs> there is not one. Praise God, he works in boomers too. Yay, God. Ah, fruit for other people to pick. Frenchie and I were in a restaurant, seated. We went in, we got seated. A young lady came over and she uh, found out what our drinks were. She, she brought us our, what we wanted to drink. And then when she brings them over to our table, she just gets down alongside the table <laughs> and she just begins to spill her heart out to us. She just begins to pour out. There, it was, there was pain. There was hurt. There was fear about her and her, and her, and her daughter, a little girl. And she's pouring this out. And, and after she does, she said, will you pray for me? Guys, we didn't have neon lights on and said, we are Christians, we're followers of Jesus, and we like to pray for people. We're just there. Evidently, she just happened to see fruit hanging on us somehow by the Spirit of God, and she came to pick the fruit off of our lives. And so we prayed for her, and we loved her, and we blessed her. And then when we left and paid our bill, we left her a really good tip. Amen. <laughs> right before Christmas, I'm in getting a haircut. I want to look good when I do the Christmas message. <laughs> and so I'm getting a haircut, and I'm sitting there carrying on conversation with the, with the uh, young barber that's working on my hair, making me look good as best as possible from his viewpoint. <clears throat> While I'm sitting there in the chair, the owner of the barbershop, and there's about six different stations in the shop. The owner of the barbershop comes walking over to where I am. He's standing as close as I am to this lectern, and he's standing there like this. And he begins to pour out his heart to me, the pain that he's got because six months ago, he lost his son, whose best I concern, concern is is it was in his early 
not much beyond 25 years old. And I knew in the, in the, the depth of this, I knew there were some issues. And so this brokenhearted father is just standing there telling me about the pain that he's experiencing, having lost his son six months earlier, and he's about two weeks away from Christmas, which is all about family. Again, I don't have no neon light on. <laughs> but what I found myself doing, Phil, without even thinking about it, I just put my hand out from under the apron that they cover you with when you're getting a haircut, and I, and I laid my hand on his two arms. And I just began to pray as a father, because I've got a boy too. And I was going to be with my son at Christmas. He wasn't going to be with his. And so I pray for Jimmy. I pray for him and I bless him and I'm asking God's comfort to him. Healing of that. Helping him through that. Helping to still focus and celebrate in this season. And after I'm done, uh, a lady who his next appointment comes in, so... Uh, Jimmy leaves and goes back to work with her. And, and then all of a sudden I realized the guy that's been cutting my hair has stopped. <laughs> He's standing behind me. And he said, that was wonderful. You have no idea how much he needed you to do what you just did. Thank you for doing that. Guys, it's just... That's any of us. You are equipped to do the work of the kingdom. And sometimes it's just no more than that. We, uh, uh, and then the, the last thing as I read that is this. We live our lives. It's five after. I guess if some of you need to go grab your kids shortly, just feel free to do that but I, I need about five minutes we we live our lives as one known ah we live our lives this is a fruit we live our lives as those known in the highest of places <laughs> for the psalmist said in verse six for the lord knows the way of the righteous and then isaiah 66 2 but this is the one to whom the Lord looks. He who is humble. He who is contrite. And he who trembles at the word of the Lord. I remember watching. I felt like he was kind of a cocky preacher myself. But I remember watching a guy get up and he is all you know, doing his do and doing his business and he reads the word and then just casually threw it over to, on a chair. I thought, really? The book of Revelation talks about a book and that book has seven seals and there was this great concern because there was nobody found worthy to open those seals except for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lamb's 
slain before the foundation of the earth. The resurrected man in heaven, whose name is Jesus. Guys, he's still a man. He's glorified. We got a glorified man in heaven, and his name is Jesus. But they discovered that Jesus is worthy. And I believe it's the fifth seal that is broken. And when that seal gets broken, what, what happens is, and all of a sudden there was notice beneath the throne of God are the souls of those, the word says, who died because of the word of God, who would not give up their testimony of the word. They, the, they, the souls are there. They're crying out. Why did they die? They died because of the word and they wouldn't back off of it. Psalm 1, like John 15, and the letter to the church at Ephesus. Guys, it's an invitation. <laughs> oh, see, it, it's, see it as an invitation. It is an invitation to you and to me and to those who are watching. <laughs> it's an invitation to walk with the Most High God. It's an invitation to be a key player in the Super Bowl of the Billion Soul Harvest. And with that invitation is the ability that is provided to walk it out. I did have a scripture. And I, and I, want, I want, the only way I can do it now is it, it's not there. But I want to declare it over you today. I've got four footballs, and on all four of these footballs, there's written this ver these verses, Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8. And this is what is written. Remember Psalm 1 talked about delighting? <laughs> Man, this, this, ought to, this ought to get your wood wet. <laughs> it, ought, it ought to get your wood on fire. I don't care how wet it gets. Listen. Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8. Then, <laughs> then David said, Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. For your law, your word, that which you breathe out of that deep well is within my heart. It's already written in me. I declare that over you today. I declare over each one of us today. I declare in this month when there is this focus on doing the work of an evangelist, which is really just living life with the Lord and taking every opportunity God gives to you in front of you. I declare over you as I throw these things out, and I don't know if I've got the Mahomes anointing or not, but we'll see where I go. But I declare over you this morning, Behold, you come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of you. You really do delight to do the will of the Father. And His law is within your heart. Man, that is a Mahomes anointing. I'll take it. Whoa, man. That dude really went back there. I say it again. 
Behold, I come. You, I say of you, in the scroll of the book, in God's book, it is written of you. You delight to do His will. His law is written all over your heart. Man, we got some great catchers out there too. Man, whoa. Two more times. I declare over you today, and I declare over myself today. Why not? Behold, we come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of us. Oh, we delight to do your will, Father. Your law, your word is within our hearts. I don't think my arm's that long, Richard. <laughs> but I'll give it a shot. One more. Ah. Behold, uh, Father, as I throw this last one, Lord. Ah. Behold, Father, we come and I declare, Lord, in your book, it is written about each of us. Oh, Father, by your Holy Spirit, by your working in us, Lord, by our new conversion. Lord, we delight to do your will and your law, your breathed word from that deepest of wells is written all over our heart. Man, Lonnie. Hey, Lonnie, you need to try out for the Chiefs next year. We need some long receivers out there. Yes. Oh, Father God. Father God. Father God, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the well of your word. Thank you for the well of, the deep well of Psalm 1. And the, and the river, your river that runs between Psalm 1 and John 15 and Ephesians, the whole book. The sit walking and standing. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you that, you that it is such a deep, deep well. And Father, I pray now, Holy Spirit, don't let us alone. Stir us up. Take us. Take us. Take us, Holy Spirit, into the depths. The beautiful, awesome life-giving depths of your word. I ask it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes. I'm not sure what to do. But I encourage you right now just to make an altar in your seat. There are those who have been set up to be altar ministers this morning. Uh, just encourage you to just come on up and be available. But I encourage you right now just to make an altar where you are and let the reality of what I said as I threw out those footballs 
sink and become your reality. That you really do delight. <laughs> you really do delight to do the will of the Father. That's your DNA. That's what's written all over you. And then this morning, if you're here this morning, or if you're out there watching sometime, now or later, and you've never, you've never experienced the reality of Jesus in your life. I walked forward when I, in a church when I was 10 years old. And I did it because earlier that week I had told a deacon in our church, he asked me, he said, Larry, at 10 years old, you ever walk forward? And I said, uh, no. And he said, well, you need to do that. If he would have told me more than that, who knows? But because Owen told me I needed to walk forward on Sunday, on about the 15th verse of the invitation, I let go of the chair and I just walked forward and I must have answered the two questions asked right because they set me down and filled out and I filled out a card. But when I was a student in Bolivar, already committing my life to the ministry, to the Lord, having studied the Word for a year, I was going home from my summer classes and on my way home, the Lord was in the car with me. And He speaks to us in a way we get it. And He just simply said, and I love the prophetic way He said it. He said, Son, what an invitation. <laughs> he said, Son, you're lost. I'd never heard that. Being raised a Southern Baptist, I knew what that meant. And I, and I thank God for my Southern Baptist heritage because they gave me such a love for the Word. But when I got home that day, I, I put my books on the kitchen table and I got down on my knees and I, I said, I agree, Lord. I agree with you, Lord. I'm lost. I don't want to stay there. Jesus, you died for my sins. And I receive you, Jesus, into my life as my, my Lord and my Savior. Come in. And he did. And I was baptized a second time, this time because I met the man, Jesus. Guys, if, you, if you're here this morning, you've never, you don't know that you know that you know. You don't know if you've met the man. Come and talk to one of these couples. Oh, man, don't, don't. Don't play with fire. Meet the man. Father, again, I just, I bless you. Thank you for the honor. The honor of representing you today.